they're soft. That's all there is. Yeah, they're just they're just soft. Dude, two, they've been so bad. They made me stick up for Roger Goodell. How repeatedly, do you feel repeatedly. And how does that make you feel? I mean, I feel fine about it because I be- I believe it's true. So I have no I have no objection to it. Major League Baseball won't allow themselves to be tagged on Twitter, and Trevor Bauer's out there handing his phone number out to America. I, I, st- I stand by this fact. Trevor Bauer is a national treasure. Oh, he oh, absolutely is. Absolutely is, sir. Just on, how he, just on how he's discussed all the Astros stuff and just continues to make fun of people despite being warned. He's like, I don't give a damn, whatever. I'm going to say what I want to say. And they're like, no, Trevor, you're hurting people's feelings. And he's like, screw you. Here's my phone number. Say something about it if you got a problem. Like, I, I don't know. It's funny because I can tag, I can tag uh, um, MLB on uh, Instagram. So what 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 is what is the difference between IG and Twitter? Like what what is the difference? You can t- I don't know. I think a lot of people who are going to dog them are less likely to probably try to go through all the work of posting a picture as opposed to just opening up an app, typing something, that's pushing true. send, and that's it. I mean, n- neither one is a complicated process, but one there is, is less. Def- st- there is an extra step in one than there isn't in the other. So, yeah. and if you're strictly sense. an online troll. You want things as easy as easy as you can get it, so you can go back to your mom's basement and make more hot pockets. No, 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 no. They're already in the basement. No, no, no. There's no. There's no cell service down there, dude. There's no reception. They got to go up to the attic. It's called Wi-Fi, man. And then, and then, on top of that, Chris, you're wrong because they're not going to make hot pockets. They're going to go on the intercom of the house and ask their mommy (laughs) to make it for them. Be like Chad and Wedding Crashers, or Chaz and Wedding Crashers. Mom, the meatloaf. I want it now. Hot pockets. What is she doing? What like is she the, doing? I never know I, what, I never she's, know doing. what she's doing. So All right, so audio funny. seems good when I do a show. Too funny. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. I am Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on our news notes and random happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 62. Good show planned for you today. We have our opinions on whether the NHL and NBA seasons should even finish. Pretty controversial topic right now, so we'll get to that. Tomorrow, the MLB owners will present their plan for restarting baseball to the players association so we're going to go over some of those details uh and who in your opinion is the coolest baseball player you've ever seen ben and i both have strong opinions on this and it's not the same player so that'll be fun first we have the harbaugh rule as we're referring to it and why are we calling it that ben oh because john har uh, jim harbaugh's trying to propose some changes to the rules about players going in the NFL. I am of the ilk that you shouldn't have 18-year-olds go and play professional football. I just don't think they're developed um, enough to be able to handle 26, 27, 28-year-olds who are 
able to every day or every week be physically ready to play where these 18 year olds, some of them are just, just not developed enough to be able to play. So I think it makes more sense to go to college. I do like the other part of his idea where players, if not drafted have should have the eligibility to go back to college. Yeah. Cause as it stands right now, if you declare for the NFL draft and you don't get drafted, you can't yep. go back to school and play, which, nope. and I agree with you there on that one. That makes that makes no sense to me why if you're a player, whether you're paying out of pocket or you're on scholarship, if you don't get drafted, you're just SOL. You can't go back oh, and play. It, you're done. It's, it's like, it's be, it doesn't make any sense. It's, right. It's because they hire an agent. That's why. And so their amateur status is, is surrendered, but if they don't get drafted, now they have to, be an undrafted free agent and hope someone signs them. But it well, just doesn't yeah. make it, it, it no. all circles back to the NCAA being corrupt because they want their money. And now they're getting so much pressure because players are, it, it looks like the next year or two players are going to be able to get money for endorsements, uh, autographs, what have you while in college. That's something the NCAA did not want any part of. But because these head coaches and universities and conferences are getting so much money that it just looks so bad. And there are multiple kids who have gotten caught trying to get money from boosters because they're just trying to survive. They're trying to get through. Even on scholarships, they're still not getting enough money. Uh it just came out. This is um, a little off topic, but it just came out that Zion Williamson, the first overall pick from the last NBA draft, is now under investigation because supposedly he took uh, his family or him took um, donations from boosters or other people or companies. Adidas, I think, is named in one of them to go to Duke. Now, I think this. Some of this can be resolved by paying the players, and as long as you have a reasonable way of, of doing it, it makes sense. And I understand the other side. Well, other things are going to happen. Well, yeah, and we'll, we'll you'll have to deal with it as it comes along. But you can't have these kids go out there and worried about you know eating, living, being able to do stuff other than just you know, play football, play basketball, tennis, whatever sport they play, while the university continues to take all this money, the conferences continue to take all this money. I think uh, uh, Nick Saban is one of the highest paid coaches. He's he's paid more than some NFL head coaches. Yeah, and I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I, I for a long time, I kind of held out on that, where it's like, yeah, you don't, don't pay college players. They're in college. But as time goes on, increasingly – these aren't to be a, a collegiate athlete. You're, it's not technically your job, but it is a full-time job. And I'm not talking at your division three community college. Right. I mean, if you're playing for a division one school where you have a TV deal, uh, you're, you're on ESPN four or five times a year, your yep. school is making an asinine amount of money. And you can say, 
oh well they're, they're you know they're gonna go off and make millions it, it's okay you know the, the small margin of people of players in any sport that actually get to turn pro be successful and have a big contract and i also think people might misunderstand what we're saying we're not saying you should be signing college kids to massive contracts what we're saying they they need to be able to eat like they can't you can't have someone go into an lsu where football is everything there have them play by the way pay out of their own pocket to go play and then be told you need to be practicing 4 or 5 hours a day have your grades maintained in all your classes Oh, and if you want to eat, you need a part-time job on top of that. When your coach is making five to seven, ten million dollars a year, your school is making hundreds of millions of dollars a year off of your name, and you may never see a dime of that. Like I think they need some sort of, some sort of. Uh, I don't care how they do it. Even if they give them a, a debit card and they say you have so much to spend on food and this or that, whatever. I don't care, but they need something for these kids to not have to worry about where their next meal is coming from while they're having 300-pound guys chase them around the field trying to, you know, break their leg. I mean, come on. Like, let's, let's, let's be real here. I know people don't want to hear it. They want things. People don't like change. But this needs to change. And uh, to, to your point about the, the first part of the Harbaugh rule, I don't like the idea of 18, 19 year old kids going to the NFL. I agree with you. I don't think they're developed enough. But it is really hard to maintain that argument when those same kids who aren't developed can go sign up for the military and risk their life in war or go buy cigarettes and screw up their body long term by smoking at that same age. It's really hard to tell that kid you're not ready. I agree with the whole the body isn't mature enough at that point to take that kind of beating from you know, a fully developed 350-pound football player in the NFL who has all the skill and, and all the training from all the facilities and the trainers they have there. But it's a really hard argument to make when you can go die in war, but you sh- you're not developed enough to go play in the NFL. I do know where you're coming from, but I, I think you have to look at both sides there. And as far as the... Being able to go back to uh, the college if you don't get drafted. Yeah, if you hire an agent and you don't get drafted, then have something something in the the next contract or the next – I don't know what they – well, it wouldn't be a uh, a CBA because it would just be the NCAA making the rules. But there needs to be something changed where they say you hire an agent and that's contingent on you being a pro. Because I think you need to be able to pull that back. If you're a kid who wants to keep going to school or keep playing and you don't get drafted, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You can't turn around and go back and finish up and keep playing. That's just that's just ridiculous. The MLB, this is going to stun you. The MLB has one thing I think is correct. and that <laughs> Well, it wasn't done recently. <laughs> no, this has been around for a while. Is that as an 18-year-old, you can be drafted into Major League Baseball. Now, it is a little different. It's not as much of a uh, physical dim- – oh, I don't want to say the wrong words. It's not as uh, – it's not a violent sport. Right. But if you're 18, right. you can go you can go pro and get drafted. If you don't get drafted, you can go back to college. But once you go back, you can't then enter the draft until 
after your junior season, I think it is. So essentially you have three opportunities to get drafted in 18 and then after your junior season and then obviously when you're done as a senior. So that's kind of something that's right. So that way, if, if you go back to co- – if you're 18 and you say, uh, well, I'm not good enough to be in the pros, okay, you've decided that. Now you're going to be in college for at least three years to develop your skill. It makes sense, I think. You just can't have – I just don't see you can have 18-year-old kids – playing football against professionals who've been doing it for quite a few years and they're just they're just not physically ready to handle because they're coming out of high school they're playing one game a week on Friday nights and they don't have the mentality that they've been able to build in college I think you just need to stick with the three years away from high school rule for football just so you can develop yourself physically, mentally, so you can learn some stuff. If you get the opportunity to go to school, learn some stuff economically to help you in your life. Because once you become a pro, even if you're marginally successful, you make a lot of money. And you don't want to be Andre Risen, who just, you know, as a prolific player that we watched when we were younger, is bankrupt. Hey, it's like Marshawn Lynch said, take care of your chickens. Right. I have no and idea what he means by that, but never a bad time yeah. to quote Marshawn. Absolutely. And, and I like going them being able to go back to college, especially if you're an undrafted junior who get doesn't get the look that he thought he was going to get. You know, because they do – they they talk to people who pro, who will project them out what what round they'll go in, but that's not accurate. That's it's no, not even no. close to accurate. I mean, could could someone tell Joe Burrow? Yeah, you're going to be the first overall pick. Okay, great. But I'll give you an example: the quarterback at Michigan, Shea Patterson. Now, a little bit of a bad example because he was a senior, but he didn't get drafted. He and he thought he thought. If he, if he went out last year, he might have got drafted higher, but he didn't get drafted this year. And, you know, if I, if I had an example of a junior that he can get drafted, I would use that as an example. It's just – it makes sense to give these kids an opportunity if they didn't succeed in getting drafted as a junior, a redshirt junior. It, it, it just makes so much sense to give them another opportunity to come back and if you want to put a rule in that, that they can't go back to that school, I mean, it'd be kind of hypocritical, but I, I, I can understand it. So you go to a different school as an opportunity. But it also will give them the, invent, the incentive to make sure they leave the school with a degree to help them for their future. Well, what is it in the NBA now? You have to either play one year or be a certain age, right? One year yes. of college. You have to be one away, one year away from high school. Okay. There's some kids who who don't go to college. They'll go to another league in uh, what is it? The KBA, uh, the KBA, which is the uh, I think the Russian league. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a couple of kids go to Australian league. Uh, some will go to the European leagues. They'll play a season 
and then the next and when, when that year's done they'll enter the draft which honestly and we've talked about this it makes so much sense to just let them go and play in the nba no i was actually gonna uh, i mean for the sake of the the harbaugh rule argument yeah. and again that's not the official name for it that's just what ben and i are calling it because jim harbaugh brought it up yeah. um I would say how many really successful NBA players mm-hmm. went from back when you could just go from high school, just went from high school to the pros. I know LeBron did it. Kobe. Kobe did it. KG. But, okay. Those are three guys out of in, in, in 20 plus years out of how many hundreds. But I can, I can think of, um, uh, one off the top of my head is Sebastian Telfair. He got drafted by the Celtics. He came right out of um, – he came right out of uh, – what is it, Celtics? It was either Celtics or Blazers. I know he played for both teams, but he came right out of high school. He literally played for, I think, three or four different teams in his first four years. Right. And was never successful. I don't know what he's doing now, but it, it th- that is a case in point of someone who would have – taking advantage of playing year or two in college basketball, which I think basketball should adopt the MLB rule. I think that would help. Hockey is different because even though it is a physical sport, some of these 18-year-olds, Chris, if you see some of these 18-year-olds coming out of uh, Canada or the U.S. or even the uh, hockey, which, by the way, like the Russian or Eastern Europe hockey players, like these kids are coming out built like machines because that's literally all they do. Right. But they can come in and play and be successful because they're that talented. And they literally hockey players are literally dedicated to the sport, almost like a religion. Well, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these kids for football are too. I mean, I know what you're saying, but a lot of these kids for football are the argument I was trying to make is, while I stand by my point earlier of it's it's hard to tell an 18 year old coming out of high school who has the talent to potentially be drafted by the NFL, which is a whole other point. I don't think people are bringing up how many, how many NFL GMs are going to look at a top college prospect or a college or a, a talented top high school prospect and say, yeah, we're going to go with the high school kid. I doubt a lot, despite having more years of potential to have them on the team, to have them under contract, I think what they're going to say is that player would benefit so much from having that two to three years in a college structure to not only physically mature and grow, but as far as just understanding just all the ins and outs of the game that they don't learn in high school. And because even these guys who are great in college, a lot of them get to the pros and it takes them a year or two to really be, I mean, some guys have are great out of the gate. Some guys are just legendary. They're great out of the gate. They have incredible careers. No problem. Some guys, it takes them a year or two. Peyton Manning looked awful his rookie year. He looked terrible. But he learned from his mistakes because he spent, I believe, I believe he played all four years at Tennessee. He came to the pros, was able to learn from his mistakes, and turn that into a legendary career. I, I can't fault these kids for wanting to come out if they can and if they will get drafted for taking the money because, like I said, it's hard to tell a kid you, you're you not old enough to play but you're hard enough to go 
fight for your country overseas. But I don't like the idea. I hope it doesn't get adopted because I, I and I do like the rule you said, if, if let them go back, if they don't get drafted, but have them play at least two, at least two years of college. I'd be okay if they said after your sophomore season, if you want to declare for the NBA, you can. But kind of playing off the MLB rule, like you said the NHL should do, or the NBA should do, if you declare after your sophomore season and you're not drafted, you then cannot redeclare until after your senior year. Oh, after your senior year. Okay, that's interesting. So there would be there would be some dynamic there of, man, if I'm not ready, maybe I should play in my final two years. Okay. Uh, so you wouldn't be totally losing out. You could go back to school, but it wouldn't just be one and done again. You'd have to play out the remainder of the time you were supposed to be there. So you would be there your four years. You could get whatever degree you were going for. So if by some chance it still didn't work out, you had something to fall back on. Right. Because we look at it a lot of times, like just, just the sport, and you forget these are young human beings who are presented with a, an opportunity for a lot of life-changing money who kind of get blinded sometimes and, and don't realize if they don't get that, they're going to be working a very mediocre job unless they get that degree because they don't have any other skills because that sport has been their life till that point. Right. This is a good way to take care of not only the game, but the players. So that's what I'm for. And, and, I, and I think we need to kind of put in perspective, counting the practice squad guys who are fringe NFL players. There is a total of 2,016 players in the NFL. And each year you have an influx of 255 drafted players and 100, 150 to 200 undrafted free agents. And you don't get a lot of – the number of people influx coming in is – greater than the number of players that are going to retire that are going to walk away or forced out. So you just have this continuous influx of players that just a, a league can't sustain it. So some players need to look at the, look themselves seriously in the face and say, I am a redshirt junior and I may be, I may be drafted in the sixth round. Maybe. And there's a good chance I'll be drafted in the seventh. Would it behoove me to go back to college for one mm-hmm. more year? Define my skills. Yeah. Sharpen myself up. Yep. Have the degree in one hand, whatever it may be. I'm not judging you for what degree you get, but have that degree in one hand and sharpen your skills. And maybe you can be that slot receiver that that the that the scouts say. His route running is precision, but his 40 time is not great. His vertical is not spectacular. His hands aren't super, but he runs precision routes. Or you have great hands and you do great, you're good on routes, but you don't have a vertical. You don't have a leap. You don't bench press a lot. You're 5'9 and you don't have great speed. But if you can do, you have one skill set and you've defined it. And they say, and, and all the scouts or all the people that are in the know say, you know, we're projecting you as a fifth-round pick now instead of a late sixth, early seventh, maybe. Now we're seeing you on our draft boards. Now the, right. the teams are looking at you seriously because 
you went back for that one season. And I always, I always think Devin Funches, when he came out, I said, I, I said to myself, it's like, Devin, I like you. I think you're a big body. You got talents. And he, um, he actually played tight end for his first two seasons at Michigan. And then I think the third season, uh, he played wide receiver. Right. He's a big body kid. Uh, he couldn't block for nothing, but which is why he moved the wide receiver. But I thought he could have came back for one more season to work on his route running, to work on his hand skills. And how many teams has he been on now? I think he's on his third one now. Yeah, and he hasn't performed real well in any of them, honestly. Yeah, right. And I don't, I don't remember where he was drafted, but it was like it's got to be somewhere between three and six, I think, uh, on the rounds. And I just thought he would have he would have helped himself out so much by coming back for that one more season. And there's some things that we don't know about that transpired that would have forced him to go into the draft. But I just think that's a player that I know that I watched. I said, God, you would have benefited from one more season, especially with someone who played tight end first, I think first two seasons. And then only the third season did he move to a wide receiver. And, and that's some of the things that that some of these players need to look at and uh, have that hard discussion with themselves, their family, their potential agent, their uh, football coach. Those are the conversations you have to have is what's your, what's your serious outlook at getting drafted. And I think this, this rule of letting them go back if they're undrafted would help. It wouldn't help players that get drafted in the seventh round when they're projected to go in the fourth. No. But, you know, I mean, if you're Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm had uh, a year left, I think, of eligibility. I think, yeah. He got drafted in the fifth. And I know I projected him in the first. A lot of people project him in yeah, the Yeah, I second. thought he was going to be a lot higher than, than fifth, yeah. So this wouldn't have helped him, but, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a, a rude awakening for his life is like, I didn't get drafted in the second round. I got drafted in the fifth. Imagine if imagine if they had the draft and he was in the green room. He would have been there for day three. Oh, boy. I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I think Fromm got drafted into the one of the best possible situations he could have been drafted into. Yeah. But uh, just to clarify on your Devin Funches, uh, he is on his third team now. He currently plays for the Packers. Or at least he's signed by the Packers. We'll see how much he actually plays. And he was actually a second round pick by the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Right. So But I, 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 I still, thought he was I, earlier than four or five, but I wasn't positive. I still think he could have been better and, and, and oh, had sure. a better skill sure. skill set. And he could have then then he could have been a first round pick. You never know. Well, there's uh there's a lot to unpack as far as this whole topic goes and as as it progresses to whether or not it actually manifests into something. We'll have more information, but we're going to move on now to the uh, the NHL and the NBA. They seem to be having an extremely difficult time deciding whether they even want to continue playing, and if they do, how that's going to look. Uh, I mean, you said something like the NHL had like six games left anyways to the regular they season. Both, they both kind of have a handful left. I yeah, think the NHL's and, and, like six or seven, and the uh, NBA's got like 10 or 12. Yeah, and they can't seem to figure out how they're going to deal with whether they just start the playoffs 
whether they just don't play at all, whether they try to finish it out. They, they don't seem to know what they're going to be doing. Uh, do you have any more insight on this, Ben? So for the NHL, I don't. Um, I don't think I'm they just, do either. <laughs> no. NBA was interesting because they had a uh, conference call. The commissioner with the uh, the heads of the uh, NBA P, uh, MBPA. MBPA? Yeah, MBPA. Um, it's telling that they're, they're not sure what they're going to do. It's still at this point, they're still not sure. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be, obviously there's not going to be a May start. And it doesn't seem like there's a start in June going to happen. Uh, but so here's a couple of things we'll take away from the uh, conference call is one, they're shooting for a two site. Um, Start, uh, site start to the season or restart to the season and that's Orlando and Las Vegas where they play the summer leagues uh, they're also looking at playing the last seven games of the season they really want to uh, to be fair to all the teams I guess yeah, there's some teams that are on the bubble that that would really benefit yeah there's about four or five teams that are kind of on the bubble um, but it it's I mean they're still deciding a bunch of stuff and it's it's just it's disappointing that they're still at the point where they're trying to decide what they're going to do. They have no plan in place. They have no no hard and facts. And I get you're dealing with a union and you have to have these conversations and they have to be on board. I think the biggest problem they're going to have with the uh, MBPA is is unfortunately money related. Uh, there, t- the Adam Silver did talk about how they need to work out something with the with the money issue. So these issues have to have to be collectively bargained, obviously. Um, but forty percent of their uh, their revenue um, hinges on game day and arenas, right? Which is what they're not getting. They're not getting uh, that. How can they pay these players for money, if revenue they're not obtaining? And, and the CBA was not built for an extended pandemics is what he said to the players on this conference call, which it tells me this is, we weren't designed to have this long period of layoff of not doing anything. We need to have a, a, a real conversation about how much money you're going to take how much money the owners are going to take because the owners are literally taking a bath right now. If there's a league that can kind of come to an agreement quickly, it would probably be the NBA because it's just a player driven league. Right. But I, I, it's still going to be an ugly battle. Well, you know, as far as, you know, all the revenue they're they're not making, I mean that that's a tough one because he he can say, well the, the CBA didn't plan for this, but then the players can also turn around and use that against him, as well as him using it in favor of him mm-hmm. in the league. So that's kind of a can of worms are open in there where they can go back and forth on that same topic, and I can understand, I can I can forgive them for not being able to foresee what's happening right now, but. At the same point, they have people 
when they're when they're laying out these contracts, who are their, their only job is to literally just find every single possible angle and work out the details. Right. And, and nothing like this ever came up to discuss it. Not in the NFL, not in the NBA, not in baseball, not in hockey, not in anything. It's like they just thought they were immune. No, no pun intended there. But they just thought they were immune to any kind of issue like this. Like we could have a pandemic and they'd still be allowed to have 40,000 people in the stands without a problem. Like right. I, I just don't understand the everyday person. I, I get Adam Silver or Rob Manfred for all the crap I give him. I get Gary Bettman, Roger Goodell. I can forgive these guys for not thinking about it themselves, but they do pay people to think this stuff through and nobody thought it through. And now they have these same minds are the ones trying to get this stuff started back up again. And nobody, with the exception of the NFL, can seem to make any kind of plan. It's, it is confounding. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on uh, the viruses, but didn't no. we have SARS, like, what was that, like 10, 15, 20 years ago? I it's don't been know a while, time. right. <clears throat> but you have to think, I don't, I don't think, it obviously... Obviously, we w- we would have remembered it if it had like broad, stroking effect on world events. But it's something that you should have factored in to say, okay, this happened. There should have been a, a you know that 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 person that's like thinking of every bad situation. Be like, okay, if SARS actually went worldwide. What would be the outcome? What would be the ramifications? And I guess I guess it just never came to fruition to actually think that world events would affect sports. You just, I mean, nine eleven affected the NFL season for a couple weeks. Yeah, to an extent, then, but then things opened back up. It was fine, and it pushed back the major league playoffs a couple a couple weeks because this I was that ended in November. I, if I remember correctly. But they never had this kind of issue. Now, the NFL is getting lucky because they're not in season, but right, right. they're making plan, plans and preparations for next season already. And I just think at this point, especially the NHL, just scrap the whole season. Just scrap it and start planning for next season. You know, I want to get back to that because I, I want before we move on to our, our final you know, set of topics, I, I do want to have both of our opinions on what we think will, what we think should happen. Yeah. But you brought up a really good point right there. I just said you could forgive them for not thinking this through necessarily. But you're right. We have had every five or six years. There's been something, whether it was, you know, uh, SARS or, or West Nile and Forgive me if they're the same things because I, I the timeline I can't keep track. But there's been situations where even though it didn't get to this extent to where we are now, like the possibility was there, the seed was potentially there. So how could these people who have all these these professionals and these supposed great minds in their field making these contracts up, not have a plan in place for something like this? It doesn't make any sense to me. 
Having said no. that, what, what do you think will and should happen as far as those two leagues go? They should just both pack it in. Honestly, they should just just call it because you're not you're not making a decision. Is the problem? <clears throat> NHL has no clue what they're doing as far as the season, and the NBA is just going to have this fight between the players and the owners. Even though I said if there's a league that can come together quickest, it would be NBA. But they're not going to come together because it's going to be about the money. That's what's going to happen. And I just don't, I just don't see, I don't see an end in sight, uh, a beginning. I should say a beginning in sight for these, uh, for this, to happen. And it's, it's just not. It's not, it's just not going to work out. It's just not going to work out. Um, I, I just, it's it's quite annoying. It's quite annoying that they can't figure it out. It's not annoying that they can't get it started because I can understand what not getting it started. You can't figure it out is your problem. Right. Yeah, even if they had a plan in place and it was still like, no, sorry, guys, we, we can't we can't have you playing yet. We can't have anybody and groups. I think we can both agree if, if any of either of those leagues starts up, it won't be with fans in front of them. Like it'll be in empty arenas. Um but they can't even figure that out to the point where they could bring it to their state or local government and say, Hey, uh, we have this plan in place. We're going to take these precautions. Can we get approval to go ahead with this? They can't even get to that step because they can't agree on things because they're they're squabbling about money. So I agree with you. I think, I think the NHL should just pack it in and start again in 2021. I don't, I don't think they're going to get anywhere because you've heard nothing from them. Not a peep. Like they seem to have no clue what they're doing, where they're going. The NBA has at least started to have some conversations, but I, I can't see I can't see them getting anything done in the next few months with the players and owners so far apart on how you handle the money for the games they haven't played and for the revenue they're not making with no fans in attendance. I, I, I can't I can't see them no matter how well Adam Silver gets along with the players and the union. I cannot see them coming together. So I do think you will see some form of basketball that qualifies as this season. I, I really do believe they will come together, but I think it's going to take a few months. Like you said, the season's going to be pushed into much later in the year than we thought it would be because the NBA has been trying to get a later and later start anyways. Yep. And it's a perfect opportunity to say, well, we couldn't figure it out till September. So now we're going to start the playoffs in October. And we all know the NBA playoffs take seven and a half months as they are. So, I mean, I don't think necessarily we'll see that the two-site uh, remainder of the season being played. What they said, uh, Arizona and Florida, I think it was. Uh, Las Vegas and um, Orlando. Okay, I was close on one of them. I don't think we'll see that. I mean, legitimately they could because they could have to leave one, one city have to leave the other city, play three or four games a day over the course of a few weeks, finish out that season, and then start the playoffs. Just have Eastern Conference one site, Western Conference the other, and then they'll play again, go back and forth for the championship or whatever. I don't care I don't care how they lay it out. They could do that, but it'll remain to be seen if they can actually agree on money or not. That is a common theme with sports getting back to live action because the Major League Baseball owners 
and Major League Baseball itself has apparently come up with a plan, finally, to restart the season. A shortened season, albeit, but a season. Supposedly tomorrow, they're going to be presenting this to the Players Association. I guess some details of said agreement have already leaked. One of those is the owners do not want to pay the full year contracts for their players. They want to play prorated based on the number of games they play. And I think they're going to win that one. It only, it's only fair. I, I, I Normally, I am not on the side of the owners because baseball owners are not known for being the most... Uh, well, they're, they're, they're just boring. I mean, they're not, they're not fan friendly, but to the same point as the NBA, you're not good. A lot of your revenue comes from fans in-house buying merchandise, concessions, things of that nature. You don't have that now. You won't have that. And you're not playing. Like if your average everyday person doesn't go to work, they don't get paid. Correct. Why are you going to pay Mike Trout $30 million for uh, based on a 162-game season when he might play 80 games? You don't just get that because you're entitled. And this is not a problem people making their money. Make your money if you want to. But in the real world, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, what your beliefs are. If you're out there in the workforce, if you don't work, you don't get paid. It's just logical. I mean, like that, that's me, just how logical. it goes. And you're not you're not gonna it just a company's not gonna keep you around if you're not if if you're not working. Right. So they're not gonna just sit there, oh yeah, we'll just keep we'll just keep paying them even though they're not showing up at work. And and they're not it's not like they're not showing up at work by choice. They're not being able to. But on the flip side, you can't you can't as a professional athlete, you don't live in the same universe that we live in. No. That's that's the first thing you have to understand. You don't live in the same universe we live. In. You live in a different at- atmosphere of you make this much money, you can live this lifestyle, and I get it. You you worked for it, you earned, you, you got there, and you earned it. I get that. I understand that. But then you can't flip it on its head and say, "Well, this is going on." And even though my contract pays me thirty-five million dollars to play. 162 games and I'm only going to be playing playing 80 that I still deserve that $35 million a year. It just doesn't, I don't think it equates because when they make the contract, they make it with the, the idea that you're going to play X number of games. Right. It's, it's like on the flip side, you know, the, um, the NFL owners want that 17th game. Players with that con, the, you know, current contracts are getting paid on for playing sixteen games. They don't. I don't think they get paid for the uh, preseason, or they don't get as much. I don't. I don't even know if they get paid or not for the. You, you know what? The, the way I understood it, um, and I only know this a couple. Oh God, many years ago now. That'd be a good 15, 20 years ago. I saw a special, and it was actually on Ray Lewis. And he actually, part of it was he actually went to the bank on payday. Yeah. And I believe a lot of these guys, they actually just do get a weekly salary based on their contract. 
So like his, he went, he had something like 115 grand a week or something he was making. So he actually went to the bank and got that taken out of his account. And the dude just gets like a stack, stacks of hundreds and he's walking out of the bank with 115 grand. It was pretty wild to see. But I mean, who's going to mess with Ray Lewis and take his money? No, nobody. <clears throat> not, not, not any sane person. Uh, but I mean, so I think I think it actually just works on a weekly basis. But even still, like, even if you go like something like unemployment, you you only get paid based on what you've worked. You don't get paid based on what you thought you were worth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just not how the world works. I, mean, I know athletes don't live in the real world, but. And despite how much you make, because even making a couple hundred grand a year as a lower paid end athlete, you're still not living in the same world that you or I or most people listening to this live in. And that's fine. I'm not knocking them for that. I have nothing against anybody making their money or whether you got talent or luck or whatever. Hey, good for you. Do do, do your thing. Make your money. Whatever. But you can't expect to get paid when your entire source of revenue Half of that's not occurring, and then you're not even playing and working half the time you're supposed to be working. It just changes things. And that stuff is written in the contracts. So the players' union is going to have a really hard time saying, well, we want our full contracts or we won't play. Okay, you won't get paid anything then. And then it brings baseball down an even, even darker, said, darker, more complicated path than it's on now. Then you're just going to shut down the season. Okay, so now you won't have the sport. You're going to kill you, – well – I proclaim the sport is dead. I know you still think it has a heartbeat. Well, it does. I mean, you still have TV contracts and thousands of fans that show up to every game. I mean, that's not dead. It's, it's dead. We'll, we'll, we'll banty about on particular specifics on, on. You think the NHL is fine, but Major League Baseball is dead. That makes sense. I, well, the NHL has a fan base. Plus, if you so go. Does, so does Major League Baseball. If you go 40 miles north of you. You go enter a country that the national national pastime is hockey. It okay. is, it is they live and die with hockey. So, so base, you, baseball and other Eastern Asian or Western Asian countries aren't obsessed with baseball. Not to the degree that Canada is. I don't know, Ru- dude. It's huge Russia, over there. And Russia and Sweden and Finland and Denmark, uh, not other countries, but but those particular ones and a lot of Eastern block countries they're very high on nhl or i should just say hockey in general not so much nhl but to the to the point uh, i was trying to get to is if the players stick to their guns and they want their want they want all their money then there's gonna be there's not be a season the tv company the tv uh and streaming services and whatever, you know, radio stations, whoever is paying money for the rights is going to want something back at some point, whether it be now or later. And the people that work the arenas, the fields, whatever, they're not going to have a job to go back to for the time being. So they're going to have to do something else. And again, we, we brought up this point is that these are experienced people that work the stadiums, they're not going to be able to go back if the players say no, and they're going to have to find other jobs. And now when they finally open up, they're going to have to find new people to do these jobs. 
Yeah, we talked about that a couple episodes ago. They they have more problems than just getting the players back on the field. That's actually, and I don't think they're thinking about a lot of that. You know, to your no, point, they're, 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 not, the... they're concerned about the money in the players, not everything else that makes those teams run. Like that's what they're not understand. They're not going to understand in this conversation. They're gonna they're gonna sit there and be like, "Well, we want our money. We want you know the thirty million, the thirty five million, the to ten million, whatever they're getting paid. They want the whole thing, and they just don't understand. I don't think they're gonna understand. At least most of them won't. That you you taking that money, all that money. There's gonna be a cause and effect." And you're going to affect one other part of the business. And if I'm the owner, I'm just going to say, look, it's not financially smart for me to operate 80 games, especially if my team sucks where I'm not going to make the playoffs. So I'm not going to get that revenue either. It just doesn't make sense for me to play 80 games and have to pay. What's the, I don't know. The, the, I think the Dodgers um, uh, salary is like 200 and, 200 million so you're gonna pay 200 million it's up there it's you're gonna pay 200 million for your players for 80 games and maybe you're gonna make the playoffs because that's not a guarantee in 80 games is gonna go like that and you you don't have a good run in the beginning you're not gonna come back well at the end of the day you can't what i don't think a lot of people involved in this whole trying to form a plan or realizing is you can't run a business without revenue. So I'm on both the owner side and the player side. So they have to come to some sort of agreement. Um, I mean, we had, we had another topic here, but seeing as the sport is dead, do you want to keep going or you want to just no, we can keep going? Okay, cool. Cause I mean, I mean, I proclaim it dead. You don't. A bunch of other people don't. So we can still keep going with it. Okay, cool. I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't, you know, I mean, we can, I know if we we should have a funeral or just discuss this. I will, um, I will post-date the funeral down the line when you finally come on my side of the fence. <laughs> yeah. I don't, dude, I don't deny it's in trouble. Don't get me wrong. I, it, it needs to change or it will be. It will not last. In its current state, it won't last another 8 to 10 years without a doubt. And if they do the wrong thing here and they don't handle this right, It'll accelerate. they're going to expedite that tremendously. But as of right now, I think people still care. But that could go away really quick if they mismanage it. One of the things they could do, or they're talking about doing when they do come back, is having a universal DH. Now, this is supposed to be a really hot-button issue among some fans. And I got to tell you, man, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I think if pitcher hitting sucks, I'd much prefer a DH. I'd be all for that change. There's no difference between the leagues in the NHL, NFL, or uh, NBA. Nope, Western Conference, Eastern Conference, AFC, NFC, does there's no difference. And this is, you know, to your point, another example of baseball refusing to change with the times yeah. and just wanting to be back in their same old archaic ways they've always been in without any kind of alteration. The one thing they have changed recently, they gave us instant replay. The one change nobody wanted. Let's make the games longer. Woohoo. And 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 I brought this point up to you before we started. They were literally, and I don't know if the other sports were this way. I don't think they were. They are the they, they were the last sport to have two different sets of of umpires. Yep. For each league, 
that only that, that makes sense in college football or college basketball because you uh, you have these schools in different parts of the country, so these these conferences are structured kind of for the most part they're they're regionalized, and these guys don't get paid tons of money, so they don't want to expedite uh, um, expend too much money to have them travel. So you have you have um, sets of refs for each conference that makes sense plus you have 150 153 division one schools i think it is yeah it's a whole different layout yeah right it's wholly different it took them forever to get all the umpires to play in the entire league like that that just that's just dumb thinking about it now that that was just dumb to have two different sets because it for the longest time it was what was it the uh the American League, they were a little bit more lax on the strike zone. Yeah. And I think the NL was a lot tighter. So, and that was the difference. But it's just like, again, why do you need this difference? You should have the same thing in the AL as the NL. It just doesn't make sense. You know, it, it ties back into you saying, it, I, and I, I do, like I said, we, I disagree that it's that already, but I, I do disagree. It is on life support. Let's be completely honest. Um, but it goes back to there's n- the 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 young fan population in baseball is not what it needs to be for the game to be healthy long term, and the reason they refuse to change so many rules, I believe, is because older fans don't like to change. They want their baseball the way it was when they were a kid, so they don't change anything, so they don't get any younger audience in. Instead of trying to tweak things here and there and kind of integrating. Okay, this was a change, but it was for the better. Right. Uh, okay, this is a small change, but it was for the better. Instead, they're like, hey, we won't change any rules as far as pacing of the game goes. So the games are still going to be six hours apiece. Oh, but by the way, we've added four new playoff teams every... It's like, that's the rule you change? That's where you go with it? That's what you're approaching right now? That's why your game is in trouble. And I love baseball. Dude, the first thing I ever got incredibly interested in in my entire life was baseball. Like, I, I find football more interesting now, but all through my, you know, all through my elementary and, and middle of high school years, if I had a report to do in school, man, I was doing that report on old-time classic baseball. I have countless papers I wrote on it, and I, I love it. I love the ins and outs, the intricacies, the unwritten rules, all of it. But if they want to survive... They have to adapt, and they just seem to refuse to. Yeah. It's it's it, it perplexes me why they just don't they just don't move. They just don't take the curmudgeons and say, "Look, I understand you guys look like the purity of the game, but we need to evolve the game to the next level. Right. We haven't evolved it for the better part of oh, I don't know." 35, 40 years. At least, like the, seemingly, yeah. The biggest move, like the biggest move since the instant replay before that was probably the DH, which was 80s, 70s. I tell you, you what, I don't, rem- I don't remember it actually. I, I don't know, to tell you the truth, because I, I was, I only remember watching DH and EAL, so it's been a while. So I, I, I just don't, I, I find it, I find it hilarious that. 
they want all this money and then they just don't have they have no inclination to to change adjust the the sport to make it better and and if something doesn't work then change it back it's your sport you have the right to do that right if you want to involve the fans on an opinion then involve the fans it actually would be a good move to involve the fans but even if you NFL, don't yeah even if you don't actually listen to them give them the illusion you are <laughs> and they'll really like that oh yeah they'll, they'll love that idea but um but i think the nfl they'll, they they have the conversation each and every year uh, with their committees to decide, you know, is this rule coming in? Is this come coming back or not? Is this rule we're gonna enforce this rule better? Or are we gonna do this? How are we gonna evolve the game? Is instant replay gonna change? I mean, they had the the replay for the PI last year, and we know it died this year. Yep. So now it's not gonna be this year. It'll be like a little blip on the radar. It's like it didn't work. Yeah, okay. remember trying that? No, it didn't work. Yep. And give it four or five years, Chris, it'll just be a, a figment of everyone's imagination that we never, it never, it never came into the league. It's just like it was gone. So it, it behooves the league to evolve the game and you're, and it's not even really the old baseball fans. I don't think is the problem. It's the old space sports writers that kind of really, I think, force this issue. And then it's ingrained in some of the newer sports writers. And when I say newer, I mean like these guys are in their forties, fifties, and that's kind of newer guys. Yeah, like, a, like, just, a, like a young coach is in his forties. So yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's just it just it perplexes me that they just don't want to evolve the game. Like, oh, fine, then let's just go back to the way the sport was in the early nineteen hundreds, where they didn't play with baseball gloves. That'd be cool, right? Let's not play with baseball gloves. I mean, it makes things a lot more interesting. But you'd have a lot. The games would go longer, wouldn't they? Because there wouldn't be so many outs. Let's go. If you want to get even more more ancient and archaic, let's just have it where you can only play within a hundred mile radius of where you were born. Have to play for your home team. That's it. There you go. Kill free agency. We might as well. Yeah, yeah. Five five thousand dollars a year, and that's it. Have fun, guys. And and hey, it would be radical change. To the way it used to be, so they would have changed. But dude, the dinosaurs evolve faster than Major League Baseball does. Like, let's let's be real. So, I I'm just kind of done. I'm kind of done with MLB until they decide to start making drastic changes. I'd say starting next year. I can't. I can't. I can't help them for this year because this is a different animal. All together, but next year you got to start making clear cutting changes to help the game, or you're well, just gonna die. I agree, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath. I'm not going to. All right, one more topic here. Sure, that would be kind of fun. I saw a list earlier online of uh, somebody because with no actual games going on right now, it's very it can be challenging to find topics. So everybody's kind of. Digging as deep as they can. It was a list of the, I don't know, the current or all time, but the coolest player ever from each team. Just the guy you saw, whether it was now or when you were a kid, and you were like, 
man, that guy is so cool. Like, uh, we're talking about Major League Baseball, of course. Mm-hmm. So, and most of the players they had, honestly, were realistically kind of lame. I, I don't really don't understand where they were coming from, but they have a very different definition of cool than most people do. In your mind, and I already know who you're going to say. We kind of discussed this a little bit beforehand, but we saved it because we was getting heated already. It was. Um, in, in your mind, who's the one player you ever saw and thought, God, that guy is cool? So, Ken Griffey Jr. See, man. Okay, what's your reasoning for that? What, what's, what's behind that? He's the smoothest major league baseball player ever to be in existence. His swing was the smoothest. He played outfield like, like he obviously he was born to play, but it was like the sport was made for him. I, I, I just can't put it anywhere else. And when I think of Ken Griffey Jr., I think all-star game, home run derby, backwards hat, and just laying wood on every pitch and knocking him out the park. That's what I think. And I just think he's this like the coolest cat there is coolest customer. I, I just, I just, that is, that is my guy. That is my guy. And you know, I can't, I, it's not my pick, but I, I want to make one thing very clear as, as somebody who grew up watching Griffey in his prime, as you did, uh, he, I got no hate for Griffey, man. I love Ken Griffey Jr. I think he's one of the greatest ever. And had he not had injuries kind of mount up when he left Seattle, uh, I think you could make the argument. He'd have the numbers to put him in the argument as one of the greatest of all time. And he still has the numbers for that argument, by the way, plus the way you saw him play. Plus the way he played. But for me, it's it's a little more than on the field. It's off the field, too. It's how you carry yourself. And there's nothing wrong with how Ken Griffey Jr. carried himself. He was absolutely fine. He was a good dude. He wasn't getting in trouble with the law. But when you had you saw an interview with him, he always almost like he was afraid to talk too loud into the mic. He was kind of timid. Cool to me, not only is smooth on the field, smooth player, clutch, but you have that swagger, that attitude where it's, it's almost like borderline arrogant, but you're so good, nobody cares. And for me... The coolest player I've ever seen is David Ortiz. I mean, by the way, two of the absolute most beautiful swings you will ever see. Griffey, number one. In that field, Griffey, number one. Griffey had the nicest swing I've ever seen in my life. That was just, it was was artwork. Ortiz had an awesome swing as well, but Griffey is by far the nicest swing I've ever seen. David Ortiz. David Ortiz is so cool. He had grown men calling him Big Poppy, and nobody flinched. Nobody batted an eye. Like, is this weird? Nah, because it was David Ortiz. Nobody cared. He was the definition of cool. You knew when he came up, he was in the clutch. He was the leader of that team. He took every kind of criticism you could take in a town that loves you just pile criticism on. And he just laughed at it and was like, whatever, I'll handle the pressure. Nothing phased this guy. He was so cool, he got to say the F word on live TV and nobody even got mad at him. 
They were like, oh, that's oh, David Ortiz. Who cares? There were a couple of writers who. Yeah, but in Boston, writers get mad at you just for breathing, so it doesn't really matter. True. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disputing your point. You're correct on that, but I mean, you get some writers in Boston where it's like, if they win a championship in six games, why couldn't they do it in five? They suck. So I mean, that's just Boston for you. But I don't think it gets any cooler than David Ortiz. Uh, I'm not. Gonna... I, I mean, I can't. I can't. I can't put in a cool factor. I can't put Griffey in front of him. But that's not a knock on Griffey. I can't knock Ortiz. I'm just not going to sit here and do that. No. But Griffey is the coolest cat there is. I'm sorry. That's just that's just my opinion. I, I mean, I if you count cool as stumbling into a microphone because you can't talk, then yeah, Griffey's awesome. I am. I am. I am curving the argument in my favor by excluding that part of the equation. Okay, cool, but that's not how a debate works. No, 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 no. It, it, it's how my debate's going to work. You can't going, just say, oh, well, first of I, all, you should first of all you should run for office because yes, I mean, I'm that's, that's a perfect I, response. Second of all, when you lay out the framework for an argument, you can't just say, eh, well, I don't want that a part of the argument. So I, they're just going to change the framework. I can. I'm going to openly say it so that way you have nowhere, no al- no value to go. I'm going to I, say. I'd be, I'd be careful. I'm excluding. I, I, I'd be careful on saying what I have the value to do and not do, considering I am the one who edit the shows. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm in the argument, okay? I'm, I'm just going to throw the that argument. Out there. I'm going to take part of the equation. I'm just going to exclude it, and I'm just going to say he is the definition on the field, the coolest player in MLB history. I just, on wa- the I field. just wonder what it's like to be okay with being wrong all the time. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode because we can sit oh, here and criticize each other all night, which might make for an entertaining show. And to be honest, if we don't get live sports back soon, it may just be an hour of you and I just talking trash to each other. It may essentially turn into that. And we'll do it on YouTube so that way people can live interact to yeah, us. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And the conversation just devolves into insanity. What's the next insult I'm going to give Ben? Push A for this. Push B for that. It's a possibility. All right, guys. Well, we uh, we appreciate everybody listening, as always. And we'd love to hear your comments or opinions on any of our topics. And, Ben, where can they do that? Uh, they can hit us up on Twitter. That's BCTS Pod, Or they can hit us up on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Football. And after many, many attempts, this I am was very long happy, battle, Chris. very happy to announce that we have indeed been able to change our Facebook and Instagram names to Ben and Chris Talk Sports. It was a way, way more difficult process than it should have been. But it is done. We don't have to do new pages. Don't have to worry about getting invites from different pages about joining. Everything's going to stay the same. Still find us in all the same places. Uh, we appreciate everybody's patience. Hopefully it wasn't confusing to anyone. Uh, and if it was, uh, well, you can write to Facebook and ask them what their problem is. Uh, but on that note, for Ben, I am Chris. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.